Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Yo, 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 what up? It's Jordan from the Music Business Podcast. Today, I am super excited to introduce our guest, Andrea Magdalena. She's the founder of a nonprofit called She Said So, which promotes inclusion, diversity, collaboration, and community in the music industry, primarily for women and gender minorities. It was founded in 2014 and since then has grown to 18 chapters and 15,000, over 15,000 members. So today we get into what it was like building She Said So. We get into what it was like building a community, not just locally, but internationally. And we also get into her past experience with strategic partnerships. She's also worked with Microsoft, YouTube, uh, Sonos, the list goes on, and the intersectionality between tech and music. Really excited for you guys to hear this one. I think that's something that we haven't gotten to into the podcast much is diversity and inclusion um, explicitly as we want to. And I'm glad that we get into it today. So whether you're into the music tech space, whether you want to start a business yourself, whether you want to start a nonprofit, or you want to learn how to speak out at your organization against inequalities, I think this is all relevant for you. So there's a lot of stuff to learn here. Really excited for you guys to hear it today. Let's get into it. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much for virtually coming out. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jordan. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I actually just got off, got back from vacation recently, so I'm like in a very chipper mood. So <laughs> how are you <Nice>. doing? <laughs> well, I'm not, I haven't been on a holiday yet, but I've just moved into a new house. So oh, feeling nice. really good about everything, inspired, you know, nice. fresh perspective, all that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, weirdly, one of my favorite parts about moving into a new apartment is is decorating. So hopefully, hopefully you're having a good time, like choosing where the furniture should go and things like that. It's like my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it too. It's a slow process for me. You know, I'm trying to not make it into a stressful thing. So we got the basics covered. And then from here on out, I'm just going to take my time. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Um, So I guess before we kind of get started into and and to dig a little bit deeper into She Said So, uh, before we even get to that, what do you think of the value sets, you know, maybe two or three that have afforded you the success so far that you've reached in your career? I love this question, you know, because um, I feel like it kind of helps me define myself to myself better. It's something I need to continuously remind myself of. I'd say definitely resilience and perseverance because I come from a background where, you know, I'm from Romania. Uh, My family is pretty... um, kind of like lower income, middle, middle, lower income. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've really had to fight hard for everything that I had and not let myself um, be, uh, you know, stopped or interrupted by the obstacles that came my way. So resilience is a big one, but also kindness and empathy. I would put those in the same bucket because, um, everything about life is, is about people is about the relationships right. or not so much the relationships, but maybe the interactions, even if it's just a simple 
hi and bye to you know the lady who sells you uh, something at the store even that micro interaction there to me i like to make the most of it and make it pleasant and by being kind to the other person i'm i'm talking right. to so that's kind of my num- number one rule um and thirdly i'd say um you know hard work i don't know if that's necessarily uh, something that that you know you're born with or develop in time probably a little bit of bore, both but to have this determination to put in the hard work beyond any sort of cards that life has given you um it's it's important you might think that people who are born with everything you know uh, right. they they got it all but no they need to put in those who s- truly succeed in the long term really put in the work so that's kind of what it takes in my opinion nice yeah a couple of ones i would consider are on my list too and one the biggest one that you said is is empathy um especially like in the music industry working with artists mm-hmm. working with people that take what they do so seriously and it's such a core part of who they are as human beings like empathy is you, you have to lead with empathy in my opinion you know um but not just that but also the people working with the artists people like me and you all of us deserve a lot of empathy um in general in the world you know but that's definitely one of the values that i take like very seriously so um that's really cool that you said that resilience uh perseverance hard work perseverance i guess is uh an interesting one because you said like you know maybe you're not maybe you're not maybe you're born with it maybe you're not maybe it's a little bit of both but i feel like as i as i continue in my career part of that perseverance and part of that hard work comes from my motivations and figuring out what those motivations are in order to cultivate those things so i'm sure people are born with hard work because maybe they were surrounded by it like you said um you, your your family comes from a lower middle class home you've seen hard work a lot you know mm-hmm. um but i do think something that i'm realizing now as i'm mentioning closer to 30 is that cultivating those motivations to 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 exemplify those values um is kind of yeah. how I, I figured out how to do those things so i love that um, it's so important to keep asking the why you yeah. know i think it's one of the most important questions anyone can ask themselves right why am i doing what i'm doing why am i choosing this or why am i in this situation that's you know out of my control and what can i right. do to make it more mine um right. Yeah, so that's like tying in really nicely with mo- motivation and finding it when maybe you're having one of those days where it's more right. difficult to find it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So I guess uh, jumping headfirst in that she said so, um, kind of give me the background on how it started. First of all, starting an organization like this is like very courageous, I feel like, in the music industry <laughs> in general. Um I'm sure we've, I mean, I'm sure, I know you have, I definitely have as a minority have gone through things in the music industry. I wish I did not. I'll just say that. Um, But starting an organization about it and and bringing it to light and making it a conversation is super courageous. So I guess I kind of have two questions. One, what's the background um, of She Said So? How did it start? But also what compelled you to to actually do it? Like, obviously I have these conversations with people in the music industry all the time about sexism, racism, so on and so forth. But what compelled you to actually do something about it? Thank you for, for asking me this. Um, 
firstly, I should say she said so exists as an organization completely by chance. It was mm. never something that I set out to do as a goal of mine. You know, this is something that I want to do in my career, start right. my own organization with a social impact. Not, not at all. Um, my background was, is actually in tech. I started my music industry career on the streaming side of things, on the tech side of things. And that's what got me into the industry more so. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I obviously noticed uh, issues in terms of representation and discrimination mm -hmm. um, uh, and in just inclusion overall um, uh, in both sectors, both in tech and in music. Mm -hmm. And what I what I found to be very different between the two was the um, uh, may, maybe the attitude that they were both kind of tackled with. There was this openness and kind of desire to make things better in the tech space, whereas in the music industry, it was almost something like that wasn't really <laughs> talked about at that time, yeah, right? This yeah. is, we're talking end of 2014. Yeah, that's when that's when um, I decided to take things in my own hands and mm -hmm. build my own community of women who help each other out because I didn't find that. I found quite a lot of competition and animosity yeah. and like who's cooler than who and, or maybe, you know, um, a lot of being ignored in the industry at the time, you know how it is. It's hard to yeah. get a foot in the door yeah. unless that's already kind of set up for you or you happen to come across that opportunity. Sometimes it's complete luck, to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with the music business. It's, it's not like, uh, you know, science where you need to follow these very rigid steps in order to get to this level in the industry. Right. It's quite open, you know, um, and and that's great, but that's also difficult um, because there isn't one manual that people can follow to 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 get in it. Right. So anyway, that was the inspiration behind she said so at that time, the fact that I, I did see women in, around me in that world. But what I noticed was that they all tended to be on the younger side and they all tended to be part of the, you know, scheduling admin mm. kind of conversation, mm -hmm. but not part of the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. um, so I realized, you know, obviously there aren't enough women at the top. Um, mm. And that's something I per personally want to achieve for myself mm -hmm. uh, and for others in my situation so my solution to that problem was creating a community at that time I was working as a community manager mm -hmm. at Mixcloud um, and I was all about building community and you know interacting with people with music industry people with artists with execs you name it with everybody and so I was noticing all of these things from first-hand experience i noticed there aren't enough female djs i noticed it, those who were when they when we're backstage together were being treated like we're the girlfriends like we need to have a whole conversation with the bouncer to convince them that we are part of the crew or we're the talent or whatever you know mm -hmm. stuff like this that's yeah. quite uh subtle and 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 you know it, it's not it's not a huge amount of um drama or trauma involved in this but the issue is that it's super uh, pre prevalent and um that's just the more the less extreme form of sexism that other women experience um you know it, it can get pretty ugly as we've seen with cases like r kelly and so on um so we don't want things to get to that point right we, we want to cut them from from the get-go 
And so my solution, one of the solutions that I thought could work is to bring women together to at least help each other out, create the sense of community and sisterhood and um, uh, using that collective force to apply pressure on the industry. Um, mm. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years the word spread really fast i guess there was really a need for something like this to exist um and, and then you know she said so it became an organization because mm. all of a sudden everybody wanted to be a part of it and collectively mm. our voice as women really was heard to the point where um you know we started getting invited to do things and brand partnerships and all that stuff and that's kind of what pushed me into taking it from an idea or a side project that I wanted to do um, purely out of passion to something that exists as an organization and operates as such as well. Right. Was that decision for you scary at all? Or did it just seem like something that was a, an easy next step? I'm only asking because myself um, speaking out against situations that I may be in that make me uncomfortable isn't always the easiest thing to do. So at that point, was it a little bit scary going into it or was it like a, you know, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll have to admit it was and continues to be scary. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that when you speak out, there are some doors that open and then there are some doors that close mm -hmm. when you do so. And, you know, it's a case of acknowledging that and not letting that deter you. Mm. Um, and so there was a bit of scare because of that. And but also because what am I signing up for? <laughs> you know, like, right. what am I going to do with a job? I think at that time, specifically, I was actually transitioning. I was moving from London to L.A. I had decided that I'm going to move to L.A. Mm -hmm. Initially, I came here with my mixed cloud job and I was supposed to go back. Um, after a while and so I decided to not go back and stay in LA instead uh, so that's when I had a bit more time in between jobs to actually you know take care of all this she said so stuff um, and set it up so it operates more sustainably as an organization uh, and it, I have to admit it's been so great ever since because um, I, I treated you know it is uh, it, there is a you know huge activist component to what I do, of course, but I like to treat it like a startup, not yeah, like a charity. Yeah. And I run it, you know, and I try to, uh, from a structural perspective, I run it like like such. You know, I yeah, have two absolutely. sort of um, people on contract that I work with, and designers that I and other creatives that I work with uh, on a project basis, almost like an agency model. And we develop. I love. I think this is my, you know, um, preferred um, place to be in at the intersection of music, technology, and culture uh, or entertainment. It's coming up with creative ideas to to bring forward our mission. That's a positive one, um, and you can do that through music. You can do that through events. You can do that through community design and panels, and you know, brand partnership campaigns. It's um, it's such a fun challenge to to embark on. Right, that's super cool. That's super cool. Um, I have so many questions. I have to, <laughs> I have to, I have to like cut cut some down. I guess I guess uh, before we kind of get away of the the scary part, because that's that's something that I have personal experience with as well. How do you how do you balance um, the work that you do with your nonprofit with the other work that you do in the music industry? Um, I know that 
as soon as uh, the uh, the word like woke to me is like my favorite and least favorite word at the same time because people <laughs> can use it positively and negatively. So, and then as soon as you are deemed like woke, people are either pigeonholing you or they're saying like, good job. <laughs> so, but, but it just depends on who it's coming from. So I guess in your yeah. situation, you have this nonprofit. How do you stand out in a way that's productive? How do you stand out in a way that um, doesn't pigeonhole you into, oh, you know, she's just the person that believes these things because she's a woman. How do you, how do you kind of get around that? And how have you been productive doing that for people who may want to do that and they're within their own organizations, you know? I have to say it's a difficult journey to be on because Mm. there people always have this tendency of labeling. It's just easier for someone to put one label on rather than Mm -hmm. understand the whole complexity that makes you who you are. Right. Yeah. And I have to admit, I'm sure in a lot of people's heads, I am the, she said so person, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not also the marketing expert or brand partnerships expert or, you know, expert on all these other or, or business owner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes people forget about that, you know, mm. and um, I'm still kind of on that journey of figuring that out here in the States, to be mm-hmm. honest, because there is a huge and very stark difference between how you sell yourself in UK and Europe and how you sell yourself within a, you know, music industry context here mm. in the US. It's two very different strategies. Um, and I'm, pretty good at the euro version (laughs) and here i'm still kind of learning how to you know properly unapologetically sell my skills beyond my knowledge of the empowerment of the gender empowerment space Mm -hmm. um and it's it's not easy but sometimes it's a case of you know doing this kind of proactive work reaching out to people like yourself to you know have a conversation about she said so, but also about things beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will very clearly um, showcase, you know, that I have this kind of experience in other spaces as well. More practically speaking, right now, I'm actually taking on, uh, other than running She Said So, I'm doing some freelance work, some consultant work for an agency. Uh, they're a brand and product studio. And currently we're, um, I'm part of two quite big projects. One is developing the new uh, design dashboard for an e-commerce platform. Wow. So I'm a producer on that project, which is doubling down as a project manager and as a strategist. Um, so that's kind of advertising, you know, digital agency creative space. Mm-hmm. And there's so many lessons I'm taking from that space and applying them to running She Said So to running my agency together with my husband, actually, um, him and I, we started an agency called IMJT. And right now it's mostly him that's running it um, as a management uh, company. He's managing three artists as part of that. So nice. sometimes I'm involved in that too, nice. you know. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a case of uh, constantly, you know, contributing to the conversation outside of the empowerment space. Um, and making sure that you have a voice in other verticals that you want to be seen in right? Um, by, you know, sharing content, right? Um, g- contributing with tweets to this thread that uh, is happening that everybody else is on their toes about and so on. 
um, it's it's hard not to be pigeonholed. But I guess in the same way you're creating space for yourself in that area, you kind of have to put in the work for your voice to be heard in, in other verticals as well. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. Speaking of, um, I kind of want to dig into some business development stuff as well. Um, a lot of questions just about building a company in general. Um, I guess I'll just start with the first one. You brought up, um, you know, kind of solidifying your brand overseas and doing that here, but you also have like ten chapters in a bunch of different in a bunch of different countries, and <laughs> I'm sure culturally they're all not the same. <laughs> so, so how do you, from a, from a, a business development perspective, um, account for that when you're hiring people, when you're bringing people on the team? And then two, how do you account for that um, in the way that the organization handles itself in those territories? Well, I have to be honest here and admit that um, our growth still kind of follows an organic suit. Mm-hmm. So we basically we go where where the money's at. <laughs> you know, it's 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 as simple as that. If this, um, you know, if Spotify, you know what? Actually, I'll mention YouTube Music because we're actually working with them right now on a project that's focused on Spain, mm-hmm. and it's a mentoring program that we developed a few years ago, um, and that we're running in different sort of iterations depending on the partner that we work with. To, to fund it essentially. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you remember when I said that I run it like a more so like a, like a startup versus mm-hmm. a charity. It, it's in situations like this where, you know, we developed a mentoring program. That's a model. It's a framework that can be easily adapted. It's essentially a scalable program, right? It's, it's something that companies like, Microsoft and Facebook pay big money for because mm. they're such a huge company and they want to know how to develop things that they can scale, but are just as impactful at an individual level as they are at a mass level. Um, and so, um, you know, we developed this model and then over the past four years, yeah, I think it was 2017 when we launched it. We did three-month mentoring schemes. We did six-month-long mentoring schemes. We did it for 50 people. We did it for five people. Uh, we played around with the format so much mm-hmm. that you know we got to a point where we were pretty confident in how we adjust the dials. Nice. And so as a result of approaching um, the, the challenge in that way, uh, and the community building in that way, I, we were able to apply that um, and adapt it to that specific market we were, nice. you know, we wanted to focus on. And so, um, you know, so far we've run the project in France and Italy last year as a virtual mentoring scheme, and we just launched uh, a hybrid version um, of she, it's called She Grows uh, with YouTube Music in Spain this year. Nice. Um, and so we did that in Spain. Firstly, we did have a chapter there, mm-hmm. but most importantly, YouTube Music wanted to focus on on that market, and so this was such a great fit for um, both of us because they were able to achieve their goals and they were able to double down on doing so in terms of you know having a presence in the Spanish right. market whilst contributing to the you know diversity and inclusion 
agenda. Um, so it's really a double, triple win um, kind of thing. And as a result, we hired people in Spain to run this project, manage this project. Um, whereas starting a chapter is something that typically someone volunteers for. Mm. It's sticking to it, right? Because starting mm -hmm. something is very easy. But <laughs> continuing... Yeah following through with it and keeping it alive and showing up day on day for a year or six months or however long you can, that is the hard part right there. And so people who show up like that for she said, so raising their hand to start a chapter in Sweden or in Spain or Italy or whatever, they do so. And then if they stick around for long enough and, you know, they really build a solid community following the framework and the model that we established, as she said, so global. And if they successfully do that for X amount of time, then they get to the stage where they can also unlock these sort of opportunities mm. from brands, from partners, from grants, right? There isn't one or from the community itself by uh, charging for membership. So there is a lot of opportunity there that we typically tap into in a super organic way. Like, I don't want to push my agenda in Italy if that's not <laughs> where people are. Because, yeah. you know, the conversation around diversity is in different places in different countries of the world. Exactly. So you have to enter it where they're at and, you know, provide them with the tools that make sense to them. Why would I want to force Italy to use WhatsApp if, you know, Facebook is their main sort of platform? So we're going to build the community on Facebook, not on WhatsApp. Right. That's kind of what I mean by being responsive and, you know, um, following the money in, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's really cool. And it sounds it's I'm sure, obviously there was a lot of work behind it, but it all sounds really organic, which 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 sounds really awesome. Um, yeah. I guess I guess kind of piggybacking off of that, um, the amount of territories, the amount of people, you know, I believe over over 10,000 people are a part of She Said So. That's we're, I think we're at 15,000 now, but we're oh, broke, broken into all these chapters around the world. Yeah. So it's kind of, honestly, it's impossible because of privacy um, regulations, right? So yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of difficult to bring under everybody under the same umbrella from a database perspective. Right, but right. yeah, there's around 15,000 of us dispersed across all the different chapters we have around the world. Cool. So you worked in community at Mixcloud. You obviously are mm -hmm. um, in charge of a very large community now. It sounds like community is going to be in the work that you do with with artists because it's about coalescing communities around those artists. What do you think are yes. some of the key pillars, key pillars in just building a community in general? And and how do you think you've exemplified that through your work? Oh yay! I love this question. I haven't been asked. <laughs> oh nice! <laughs> about this in so long, and I used to do these talks specifically, you know, from my make, wearing my Mixcloud hat. So it's kind of <laughs> nice to to wear it again, you yeah. know, and and yeah. and like put a little says a logo on it too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, community building is so extraordinary because you know if you if you really think about it beyond the. Um, uh, professional term itself it yeah. really is you know like your family is a community your yeah. neighborhood is a community your city your country it can be scaled up and down um, as much as you want even two people together make a community in my opinion any sort mm. of collective you know get together of people 
um, uh, is, is a community in, in my eye. And it doesn't follow the formula one plus one equal two. It's more like one plus one equals a thousand sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the power, the power of you know being being bringing people together is um, just really special. And it, to segue into your question, what you know, what are the pillars that make a community? I think bringing people together with a shared passion for something or interest in something or even hatred for something you know i wouldn't recommend that of course <laughs> but that could be yeah, one thing that you know that we've seen it <laughs> we've seen people yeah. come together for that yeah. so anything that activates their emotional you know triggers some sort of emotion in a person i think that's uh, a key component to building a community because mm -hmm. they have to care right they have to show they have to choose to show up in your community every day to go out of their way, especially if it's a community that you're building as, you know, it's not an integral part of someone's life, perhaps. Um, it's a nice to do, or it's mm -hmm. a nice to have. Um, they've, those people really need to be extremely passionate about that thing in order to show up for you every day because mm -hmm. time is precious. Mm -hmm. And so uh, making it easy for them, now we're going into more practical stuff. I think that's kind of on a strategic conceptual level. People need to care. People need to be emotionally triggered and activated Yeah. Um, in, in order to be a part of it, not just by name, but actively contribute to a community. And that's another like really difficult thing to achieve. Actually, any community builder or manager will tell you that keeping engagement up, that's so hard. Uh, getting people in the door at first, that's like the easy part. Keeping them in the loop, it's almost like with you showing up every day to your workout, right? Or your meditation mm -hmm. practice. You're not going to become a meditator if you do it once. <laughs> you have yeah. to really show up every day to become yeah. a member of that of that community. And so making it easy for them from a practical perspective in terms of tools, you know, mm. as I was saying earlier, I'm not going to build my community on Facebook. If everybody I'm, you know, trying to make a part of my community, they're all on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. So follow them, see where they're, you know, moving and make it easy for them to spend that time with you too, mm. from a platform perspective. Mm. Um, and then um, I guess you really have to build that system in place and and the platform itself is part of is part of that system how do you bring them in how do you greet them uh how do you um you know uh, place sort of moments in the community at what time strategically mm. with what frequency mm. in order to make them feel like something is going on but without spamming them Mm. Um, these are all things that, you know, um, this is like growth marketing territory at this point. Yeah. If, if you're really trying to optimize your community, uh, from that perspective, because right now I'm at a level where, you know, I've built my community, they already exist. My focus is on optimizing our engagement. Mm -hmm. How do I make sure that more people can see all these things, these amazing things that we do for them, you know, that they're paying to be a part of basically through their contributions on patreon for us um uh, so i'm at a different level in my community where it's about retention more so than um you know onboarding or like mm. building 
building from scratch. Um, and uh, yeah, I at this point, I'm like constantly trying to figure out, okay, do we do these uh, uh, community moments? We have, you know, weekly community moments, mm. whether it's uh, our weekly Wednesday co-working where we all kind of log into the app and we just have like a chat going, you know, anyone who's there in case nice. you're still working from home or you're a solo entrepreneur like me and you don't have an office, right? Or you don't have colleagues to talk to. You can talk to other Shisetsu members in that way. And people know that this is happening every week, every week on Wednesday between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's, yeah. you know, something that they can show up. So repetition is an important aspect of community um, yeah. uh, building. That's kind of more in the practical, you know, space. Um, but honestly, you know, I've read uh, a lot of documentation about what it takes to build a successful community and so on. And honestly, the most successful practices that I've employed have been want the ones where i just applied my intuition honestly mm. anyone if you're like really passionate about something uh and i know people say that in business as well mm-hmm. speaking of i just completed a super intense harvard business online business course <laughs> just now because you know i thought that's maybe what i need in order to run my business better from like an actual yeah. business perspective <laughs> Uh, and I learned, you know, at the end of it all, I learned that I was already practicing a lot of these business mindsets or, um, you know, uh, uh, tools or strategies without knowing that mm-hmm. it's something they teach you in school. I just kind of intuitively went about it that way. So it's kind of nice to know and it's refreshing to know that you don't need that sort of formal education in order to bring your community or your business to life. Right. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there was an overlap because your, your community and your business is already like very large, you know? Um, but, uh, it's interesting that you, that you use those sorts of types of resources. I've also considered getting into them just because the podcast is a community. Um, so part part of that question was asking for people who have communities themselves. A part of it was, for me, <laughs> for, for, the, for the community that we're trying to build around the podcast. Um, speaking, speaking of, I know we spoke, I know we spoke about this a little bit earlier, um, but for people that are, you know, starting businesses in the nonprofit space or not, you've sustained a level of growth over the past six years. That's just remarkable. So how do you, what do you think are some of the keys into, into doing that, um, that you can kind of shed some light on? Hmm, it's it's glad to I'm glad to know that you you know our growth over the years seems remarkable because from this side I'm like I'm not doing enough we're not growing enough. we're not reaching enough how are we getting into the US how are we going to get people to learn that we exist and stuff so you know it's always about perspective right Depends yeah on what side of, of the lens you're looking from right um, but you know all jokes aside we did indeed have a pretty steady organic growth and again Mm -hmm. i think in my case well actually for me personally brand was important so Mm. building a brand that i Mm. am proud of and i'm you know having fun with i don't think that's necessarily crucial to you know maintaining your business alive or even launching a successful business um but that was just something that i deeply cared about 
um, to build a, a brand that's fun and consistent and, you know, tackle that challenge from a more uh, commercial place because I have mm. all this experience on the agency side of things, right. you know, helping big multinational brands build other brands from scratch. I really wanted to approach my little business in the same way, but at a much more scaled down version. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have a lot of, and that's kind of what it's keeping my motivation alive too, because I'm uh, uh, tackling, you know, the growth of she said so in a way that brings me pleasure and enjoyment. Like I'm really having a lot of fun working with our designers and our, you know, and my copywriter and my uh, marketing social media person to brainstorm ideas and develop strategies for socials that are fun. I'm, that's right. actually something that uh, brings me a lot of joy. Um, and, you know, we still haven't quite got to a point where they translate into hundreds of thousands of impressions and so on, <laughs> but you can definitely see a steady growth. So I think it's, I think it's working again at a super organic level. Um, uh, but building a, a, a brand, you know, is I think an important aspect of any business, especially if you're not in the activist space, right? Because we're in the non-charity space because yeah. then all of a sudden that's one of your um, uh, unique selling points, you know, how you right. position your brand or how you position your brand within the, the, the market that you operate in. Look at me using all these business terms <laughs> I learned from Harvard. Well done, HBS. <laughs> Something actually stuck with me after those four months of grind. Well done. Well done me, Andrea. <laughs> market share and business yeah. <laughs> anyway resuming um <laughs> sticking you know staying so that brand was a big one for me personally and then sticking to your mission statement and to your values mm. um whilst you know you continue growing i know there's you know back in the day in the music business there used to be a lot of hate against selling out right uh, brand partnerships, artists kind of co were collaborating with brands in that way. I feel like that's changed a lot. And part of it kind of has to do with this new trend of, you know, being good and doing good, becoming a cool thing. Because that didn't used to be cool uh, just, you know, a, a handful of years ago. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Stick, basically bu building something that other people want to be a part of um, uh, in a way that they find engagement engaging and authentic, right? right? Authenticity is something that everybody keeps bringing up, especially in the music business as an artist. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you build an authentic relationship with your fans? It's almost applicable and more mm -hmm. or less the same way to our community. Um, um, but in a slightly different way, because we're working with people who operate behind the scenes. We're not working with fans. We're, we're working with, right. you know, the actors of this right. industry. So it's, 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 it's slightly different, but from a principal perspective, the same rules um, apply, you know, like, Put, put your money where your mouth is, basically. Like, really mean what you're saying. And not just because it's, um, you know, Pride Month this month, but because <laughs> that's something you stand by throughout the year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's just to give, a you know, an example, side example. Yeah. 
um, you know, I've had to, some, sometimes I lost my motivation. I have, I have to be honest here too. Mm. I had points where I was just like, why am I doing this? You know, um, I could be making at least twice as much money, probably working, you know, following the formula, working for a big, working in big tech or something like that. Cause that was going to be my trajectory. Right. Mm. Um, and it's it's hard sometimes to find a motivation, which is why you go back to your why question, mm-hmm. um, and um, and you know you you find you try to find it you try to find it there. Right, right, yeah. No, that makes um, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. I guess like you know, kind of closing out a little bit. Uh, two more questions. One mm-hmm. are um, to kind of go back to what you said about uh, branding. What are some of the questions that you ask yourself um, when solidifying your brand? And two, um, you obviously worked a lot in strategic partnerships. Um, what are questions that you ask of the brand that you're working on behalf of um, to identify what partnerships may be successful for them? Um, I guess let's just start there because that was kind of a big question. yeah and you know what the answer is exactly the same as what i just said which is starting with the why Mm. um uh whenever a brand so uh, uh, for a couple of years i did strategic partnerships for microsoft that was Mm. between mixcloud and um whatever i did next ah which is advertising (laughs) yeah Um, and so, you know, at Microsoft, I was actually hired through a third party agency as well, but we were pre embedded in the product team. Um, mm-hmm. So, funnily enough, we were hired by the product team, not the, you know, not the marketing team. And, and that's something that you learn when you join a big company like Microsoft, you know, that um, the way you structure your team and the way they and the systems that are set up in place for them to communicate with each other can impact the type of work that they do together quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with us being hired by um, uh, product, we always had to, our, our why or the answer to our why question always had to feed back into the data mm. and to kind of go um, you know, forward with strategic partnerships that made strategic sense from a data perspective more so than you know mm. awareness and uh, cu- you know a cultural com- conversation um, uh, community building which is something that a completely different agency was hired to do mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. their tactics were very different were a lot more you know like experiential marketing whereas in our case it was a lot more product based um so when developing strategic partnerships whether i do it for an artist or i'm on the other side i'm on the brand side of things mm-hmm. um uh, especially when you're on the artist side of things you really have to work with them to develop a concept that um goes beyond the payout itself which is come on let's face it we know that when a brand comes together with a part with a with an artist there's the commercial aspect of things that motivates the artist um uh, and the artists who do that very well and i you know they tend to build the strongest communities of fans that will stay loyal forever the so-called yeah. super fans they're the ones who leverage the right uh, partnerships, even if it's maybe a brand that you feel like, oh, you know, it's like Nando's in the UK, this restaurant or whatever, you know, that's like 
clearly not got to do anything with music in that sense, mm-hmm. but you force the brand to into introducing some sort of aspect to their campaign that or or slightly changing the campaign or your appearance in it um in a in a way that speaks to your fans that where they feel like that authenticity actually actually exists so it's not just about the money but it brings some sort of value whether to the fan to the right. artist um uh you know in a, in a way that goes beyond selling that product or selling that service whatever um there is so again authenticity and you know uh, a- a- answering the why in an authentic way is is key um and and from a more practical perspective especially if you work at a brand um where product matters more um it's all about the, the numbers and about marrying those objectives um with the cultural aspect of you know developing a partnership in music because we know very well it really needs to take that box as well it needs right. to be relevant and it needs to be meaningful and and authentic um i hope this answered yeah. <laughs> the question yeah, about did. strategic partnerships it definitely did um it definitely there is did. there is no one way when it comes to the strategy mm-hmm. uh, part but and i guess where you you can really um you know have a ton of successes on the execution part because that's something that you can easily uh, improve and you know make more efficient um and become really data driven in right awesome um, data is a is an interesting answer to that question because I don't really have much experience with strategic partnerships, but even my ignorant self didn't really think about data as explicitly as saying that's a huge part of it. So that's definitely an interesting take on that and something I'll have to look into after the episode. Um, cool. So I guess like last question. I was reading your bio, was going through, she said, so the website, and there's so many things that you do. There's so many things that your organization does. What is next? What's next? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm taking this summer to think about it. (laughs) That's my answer. I'm actually, I'm not even joking. I'm actually going through an exercise with um, Mm -hmm. uh, someone who I deem an advisor. He he probably doesn't know that yet, but he's basically my advisor now. (laughs) And he's helping me. You know, the initial conversation was, okay, I want to improve my deck because having a nice looking deck pro tip right there mm-hmm. um, um, you know it's something that a lot of brands slash potential sponsors care about mm. um, and so in in helping me achieve that goal of improving my deck we actually uh, unlocked a much bigger question which is you know what is what is she said so what mm. is what I what what do I want it to be five years from now right you know um, because as I said, it's been very much a reactive kind of growth, um, uh, us sort of organically responding to the needs of the community. Uh, and the, you know, the why was very obvious why I'm doing this. Right. At, at this point, you know, seven years, almost seven years, six years down the line into this journey, is the, is the answer to why the same or... Are, are we becoming something else? Mm. You know, do we want to become something else? Would it be more impactful if we were something else? So um, these these are some of the questions that that I'm asking myself right now. 
Uh, and what I do know for sure is that I really want it to be, to continue being the community that it is today, where people really show up with their full selves and they're so, you know, kind and they're so generous. They're shared their email address. You know, last the other day we had the VP of, of artist relations at SoundCloud kind of spend a whole hour with us giving her tips, you know, for like 15 of us. There weren't, wow. there weren't more. It was right. a really intimate experience. And like, I'm going to give you my email address, la, la, la. Like creating that kind of, you know, maintaining, not creating, because we already created, but maintaining that kind of spirit of collaboration. Um, that's something I definitely want to do. And then as a, a secondary objective, I really want to uh, uh, achieve that through really cool, creative, interesting, and innovative ways. You know, I want to engage with VR and AI and like new tech right. in you know, cool ways that are fun and help us um, uh, further our mission. That That's my, my biggest ambition. Figuring out how to continue marrying, you know, this commercial kind of brand partnerships, right. advertising space that I have quite a bit of experience in with, uh, you know, culture changing, uh, trend setting, um, uh, but mo yeah, most important, most importantly, community building um, uh, aspect that I that I operate in within the music industry. Right. Awesome. Awesome. We're looking forward to seeing that um, <laughs> in execution. Right great. back at you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, great. Well, thank you so much for for coming out. Uh, I had a great time. Um, hope you did too. Yeah. And uh, hope you have a good one. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me this platform. Thank you so much, Jordan. Of course. And the Music Business Podcast team. Of course. All right. Talk soon. Well, that was a super great episode. I had a great time. I had to cut off some questions at the end there. I was like, damn it. But that's because I was just having such a good time asking those types of questions. Um, like I said in the intro, you know, diversity and inclusion isn't something that we've gotten in enough on this podcast. So I'm super glad that we could do that today. One of the things I found really interesting was talking about how not to be pigeonholed when you're stepping up for equality. Um, I think it's really easy for that to happen, especially in music. And it's really cool the way that she's been able to diversify diversify what she stands for with the other things that she does in the music industry. So um, I think, you know, I've learned a lot from this episode, especially as it pertains to that and building community, some stuff that I will put into practice immediately. Um, and I hope you all learn too. So as always, please leave a review. Please follow us on music biz at the Music Business Podcast Instagram at, at Music Business Podcast. And uh, I'll see you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>